Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Brian Passman. He is founder of Hunter and Esquire, which is a retained executive recruiting consultancy. We're going to talk to him about talent. We're going to talk to him about cannabis. I'm excited for this. I think that the whole talent question, the talent challenge in cannabis is significant. Growing industry, I think we're, we're lacking highly skilled folks, really at all levels, particularly people that have the right business skills to run companies, to operate companies to grow companies, develop strategy. So I'm excited to talk about this and see where the talent market is going, what people are doing to find good talent, retain good talent. So with that, Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. I'm happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about your background in talent and recruiting and then how you how you got into cannabis. What, what was the cannabis story? Tell us a little bit about your professional background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So began my professional career now 20 years ago in retained executive search. In fact, 
connect with a Miami-based agency focused on the medical device industry. And I spent 15 years with that. So that was global placement of technical, financial, and operational leaders in FDA-regulated settings for medical device companies. Eventually uh, worked with Big Pharma as well. That was every corner of the world imaginable. I moved on to food and beverage, consumer packaged goods, executive recruitment for about two and a half years with another agency where I had an opportunity to lead a lot of client interactions in the adult beverage space and had been watching very closely probably since about 2014, the development of the cannabis industry and wasn't sure of my entry point to the space and you know, watching it and growing a network in the space because friends, neighbors, acquaintances were getting in and just learning it about it, studying it. We uh, made a decision together, we being uh, my wife and I, to launch into the space with a retained executive search firm. Uh, So that's uh, two years ago, we officially launched with that. And um, that was after, you know, just again, watching the industry, wanting in. We, I personally have a long uh, standing <laughs> yeah. relationship with the plant and really passionate about the success of the industry. And what we saw was a largely uh, unmet need being met where these companies were looking to really elevate the uh, executive talent and hire outside of the friends and family and just inner circle referral network. And, uh, you know, we knew at that time there were a number of staffing agencies and job boards serving the industry, but to our knowledge, no one was a dedicated executive search consultancy at that time. So we launched and um, I can safely say it's uh, it's the best professional decision. I And just to kind made. of uh, educate people a little bit, when we talk about retained executive recruitment, executive search, how does that model work? How is it different than some of the other models people use for talent acquisition, talent search and talent acquisition? Right. So there's, there's an easy way to draw a line between retained search and contingency search at the executive level. There's, you know, staffing for hourly or entry or mid-level professionals you can put into a different bucket. But in the executive search world, you could say there's retained and contingency. The difference with a retained model is you get a guarantee to get the role filled. You get a fulfillment guarantee and a thick guarantee where that person will be employed for some amount of time in the role and a retained recruiter will offer those guarantees because the retained model will allow for a more purposeful selection process whereby everyone can feel confident that the fullest slate of best-in-class talent was compiled and the best possible candidate was hired, again, after a very purposeful and rigorous selection process. So the fee is calculated upfront. So say that that executive hire year one compensation is $200,000 a year and uh, you agree on a 30% fee, right? So you're talking about $60,000. You would chop that up into thirds and the company would pay the one third 20,000 upfront in the form of a retainer to allow a search agency to put all of their resources towards executing on that search for a week or two or three to deliver that slate. A contingency model is you know, a company decides we have to fill this role. We agree to pay a fee on the contingency that we hire someone's candidate. They'll allow any number of search firms to throw resumes in the mix. 
And then, you know, it sort of becomes a, a jumble of sorts after a while. Recruiters are bumping into the same candidates, fighting over who owns who. It's just, it's more of a mad dash to get talent in and hope your person gets hired first. So again, it's a little bit less rigorous, a little bit less purposeful in the uh, development of the process to ensure that you're checking off all the boxes on both sides. And, you know, there's more of a time and monetary investment from the company, seemingly, but in the end, your time is saved because you're only reviewing a very short list of highly qualified talent when you go with the retain model because your recruiter should be heavily focused on protecting your time and only delivering those that are 100% worth consideration. Thing that I've, I've learned, both both having, having been a, a hiring CEO looking for senior talent as well as being on the other side being hired by folks, uh, that kind of Wild West aspect of contingency search is, is certainly very true. I, I, you know, get flooded with resumes, flooded with candidates that I have to kind of then end up sorting through versus retained as a, as a much more kind of bespoke model where, where I know that, that the recruiter is investing a lot in the process, investing a lot in qualifying the candidates and really bringing on the table the people that we really should talk to. They're really kind of final final candidates. Uh, I think it's, it's an important distinction. I think a lot of people don't don't understand the differences between these models and, and kind of the application of them. I'm curious as as a recruiter in cannabis and the retain side, what does it allow you to do in terms of finding talent? Like where are you looking for talent? Uh, where are the kind of sources and kind of the process that you're using to find folks? I mean, given that in the cannabis space there is there are a few people that actually have long experiences with cannabis. You know, you're kind of left with trying to pivot and recruit people from adjacent industries or transition people. How does that look from a recruiting standpoint? Sure. Like in year one for us, the the ask 100% of the time was for talent without any pre-existing cannabis industry experience, regardless of CFO, CEO, VP of marketing, regardless of the hire. Cannabis companies wanted a professional, accomplished, proven leader from a blue chip company setting in an established industry, someone who knew what great looks like in a world-class setting, who could carry everything over to their company in the cannabis industry and simply have to learn the industry itself and checked off every other functional box, all the hard skills and soft skills. And where our backgrounds came into play, because uh, our teams here are made up of people I've worked with in the past. So we all share the same backgrounds and heavily FDA regulated healthcare settings or food or beverage. We have people here booked in retail and hospitality, uh, you know, Picking apart our networks, of course, there are job postings we post on LinkedIn and our website, and we vet all applicants, but we typically exceed the applicant pool with passive candidates that we reach out to through our database or just active researching and networking. And the uh, the, the unicorn profile will say that was frequently asked for was someone who had healthcare and CPG, ideally adult beverage experience for many roles because of some of the shared nuances between those industries. And that was perfect for us because the more narrow the goalpost, the more selective the hiring company and more specific the role is really uh, more of an opportunity for us to shine and deliver on our value proposition. It's been interesting to see that evolve. And, and over the past couple of years, we've built up our executive network in cannabis with people who are homegrown in it for many years, who are 
doing great, still thriving, and others who in the in the past one, two, or three years have entered the industry, other more established industries. And now the, the new unicorn profile ask is, well, let's get someone with all the established industry experience and then has also spent the past, you know, one or a few years in the cannabis industry, right? So they're coming in eyes wide open. They really understand all of the very unique challenges that we deal with here. So we can we can deliver on any of those. And uh, it's for us, you know, a very boutique tailored approach, whatever the company wants, they get so long as, uh, you know, the compensation package that's constructed aligns and, you know, it's not too much of a, you know, champagne taste, <laughs> beer budget misalignment. And then, that's, yeah. uh, and then we can advise on that. And then our experience for all these years comes into play and we can say, okay, well, let's, let's adjust the desired profile ask or the, or the comp package a little bit. I'm way. curious in terms of transitioning people from other industries, uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with this quite a bit with some of the clients that I work with and, and bringing in folks from, you know, whether it's pharmaceutical or agricultural science or research, you know, I must say not everyone makes a good transition. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some differences about the cannabis space from some of these other spaces that, you know, can be off-putting or can be challenging for folks. I guess, what have you noticed in terms of people that are coming out of these more established, you know, bigger industries pivoting into cannabis? What makes a candidate that can make that transition well? And, and what do you notice around folks that don't necessarily make that transition so well? Yeah, a lot of things. So we can we can speak to the, the the tangible things that we measure on a resume and a and a profile, such as we prefer a mix of big and small company experience. If someone has only worked in a very large, very well established company where budgets and systems and teams have been handed to them for many years. They're probably going to struggle. We do like people that uh, have demonstrated an ability to take risk and change industries. So, you know, if someone's only worked not only same company or, or say two big companies, but only in the same industry, it makes it a little bit more difficult to gauge their adaptability, which you know, then leads to really the part that we've had heavily on, which are the soft skills and, you know, how adaptable is this person? How passionate are they, you know, about being in the space? So the retain model does allow us to really get to know the candidates, not just professionally and financially, but personally and understand what is driving them. Why are they interested in this opportunity? Do they just want to, you know, be a part of the cool kids club by working in this industry? And there's no real singular right answer. There's a couple of wrong answers such as, well, you know, again, I think it'll be fun or cool, but understanding their why and are they passionate about the industry because of what it's doing for patients and consumers alike or, you know, the business opportunity, the opportunity to build an industry for, you know, what some might be the last time in many of our lifetimes to be a part of something as special as that. Right. So it's, it's a lot of the why and um, really, honestly, making them fight for it a bit. There, there should be a cost of entry. It's a, it's a special industry uh, to be in. And there is very high turnover, not only at the staff ranks, but at the executive ranks, because a lot of times for, for the optics of hiring top talent, there are very quick hires made where it looks great on paper, but the person is not right for the industry because they don't have those past experiences or those soft skills. And um, it's a shame because, you know, you know, it's challenging enough to operate one of these companies without self-imposed uh, hiccups as well, such as heavy turnover at your officer ranks. You lose a lot of momentum and, and other middle managers. I'm curious how that. 
like how much have you kind of treated these searches as you know similar to any you know executive search that you would do you know for a company of these sizes and you know at this growth stage and how I guess what's what's different for you in terms of when you're dealing with a cannabis hire or a cannabis company and and looking for an executive hire what's unique about the process or you have to change about the process because of the nature of of the industry is anything anything you notice that is is similar and then anything you notice that's particularly different well yeah from the first call so assuming we're speaking to a professional looking to enter the industry there's from the onset at that that at at hello really there's there's an education that is typically not needed certainly not in the depth that we perform so introducing a professional to the industry the proper way you know there's there's not a lot of great media or certainly not a lot of mainstream media coverage of the industry it, it's a very very dynamic industry if you're on the outside looking in it's it's difficult to have really your finger on the pulse and understand the dynamics of it certainly from market to market let alone, so we educate uh, heavily on the on the industry itself and then on the players in the industry so different if you're recruiting someone from Coke to Pepsi, you know, they've been in the beverage space a while. You know, they know the, the landscape, that segment. So there's there's that. A lot of conversation around, well, you know, we're not a federally legal industry at this time. Are you certain that it aligns with, with you and, and your family? What will your loved ones, what will your, your rabbi or your priest say about this? Is there anything in your background that will prevent you from passing a level two uh, background check? To, you know, uh, because we do have to pass that, whereas you're probably not dealing with that. Or, you know, maybe if you have a green card or work visa status, we have to talk about how that might be impacted by entering the industry. So, you know, a lot of personal factors. There's, I think, any recruiter who's doing right by their client, regardless of industry, they're vetting for culture fit and the soft skills to succeed in a role. So I'd say maybe just, just magnify that by some amount when um, recruiting for entry to the cannabis industry, but that should be a constant regardless of who your client and industry is. Um, you know, for folks that are kind of listening to this that are in adjacent industries or other industries that have, you know, thought about kind of dabbling or, or getting involved in cannabis and anything, any kind of rules of thumb, heuristics, pieces of advice that you typically give folks at the executive level who are, are thinking about coming into it in terms of heads up or things you need to be aware of or things at questions you need to really answer, answer, you know, discuss with, with whether it's your family or, you know, colleagues to really make sure you're going to be successful in the industry. Any advice you give them? Well, yeah, I think you really think about what have they done in their past that is aligned with creating something, whether from scratch or tearing something down and rebuilding it, be it a, a system or a team a process or set of them. So thinking about, you know, am, am I am I truly a, a builder? Will I be comfortable working in a in a startup industry, regardless of the size of the cannabis company and if they're publicly traded or not? These are all startup companies that are standardizing, that are creating and trying to get exponentially better every day. This is not simply uh, let's go from good to great. This is just really we're still in build it up mode. So challenging Am I comfortable with being tasked to, to build, to create, to do something special? Have I done this before? Thinking about how they deal with change, just being true to themselves for, for their sake and for potential hiring company's sake. What is their comfort level with operating heavily in the gray area of having to develop their own intel or insights and data in order to make a decision because there's it's lacking largely. So, you know, basically 
being able to operate on the fly, can you be confident and courageous and humble and hungry to get knocked back every day and get back up? And why do you think that? Have you been a part of that before? What unique, special new things have you done before? And if you've not done any of those things, I would not say to rule yourself out, but then to further consider really what is my passion around this and how do I learn more about the industry to measure if I'm a fit? And I I suggest attending events. There's, we all know there's plenty of industry events of which you know, many, maybe 20, 50 or a hundred dollars to buy a pass and sit in on sessions and see who you can speak with and just get into the cannabis community itself and feel it out. See if Great suggestion. And I think it gives you a huge insight into the kind of the dynamic and the culture and the just kind of the diversity of the cannabis space, because it really is. I remember going to my first, you know, sort of bigger, bigger event and it was, it was a little overwhelming, <laughs> but it was really telling and just the characters that I met, you know, the things that people are talking about, you know, the people that are getting involved. It's really, it, it is, it is fascinating. I'm curious about, you know, your kind of personal journey on this is, you know, as you chose to get into the cannabis space, I guess, what kind of reactions did folks have, you know, either colleagues, you know, fellow recruiters, company, you know, people you used to work for, family, friends. I mean, what was, what was the kind of reaction to folks when you sort of announced or you went more kind of open about getting involved in the cannabis space? Well, minus one very There's always one <laughs> of ours. There's always one overwhelmingly positive and it is it is sort of a funny thing we we do um, we do mention at times to to a new hire in the industry is you might want to hold off on sharing this exciting news with all of your family and friends. You might want to hold off on updating your LinkedIn profile because there's there's always uh, some some bad with the good. You know it's exciting to many what's going on in the industry whether people are all all the way forward or not. It, it's exciting and when you are in the industry you are automatically an expert on all things cannabis. So, right, you're automatically an expert on exactly. all strains. And what should I take? Do you work for this or that? <laughs> and what should I take? And and I invest in, and can you get me a job? So for us, it was dealing with becoming um, significantly more popular <laughs> at our kids' school, exactly. the playground. And, and uh, yeah, oh, oh, and of course, and you, also, you always have cannabis products on you when you work in the industry. And, and what state you're in so, and what legality is, or people always expect that you've got something. <laughs> Right. You must have some. You work in the space. Why? How, how can you not have your, your client's exactly. products uh, on yeah. it all? I just find it fascinating. Kind of the, I remember going from, uh, I would say not, it was, I had some kind of questions look from relatives and, and friends and things like that, you know, years ago when, uh, you know, I started doing some work with cannabis companies, you know, and now everyone comes to me with jobs and you know wants to figure out where to invest and everything. It's just the transition over the last five, six, seven years has been, been quite fascinating. Yeah. And the, you know, be careful with what, uh, what investment advice you give <laughs> exactly. out, if any. Um, company is, uh, a cannabis company is, you know, looking to build out their leadership team, their executive team, their middle management, and are thinking about, you know, doing a retained search, you know, particularly for their key senior folks. What do you need to do to kind of both prep for that, you know, make that as successful as possible, you know, before you start the engagement and then during the engagement, how do you, you know, how do you get the most out of it? How do you work best with a retained recruiting engagement? Like what, give us some insight or give us some suggestions on how you can make the most of that. Definitely. So many, many uh, executive roles today in this industry uh, still are, are newly created roles. There's, there are, there are now more examples of uh, replacement hires, but many newly created roles. So I do like to work a lot up front with, well, let's, let's 
align on what this role description is. We can all agree this person will do more than what's on paper. We want someone who's not going to speak the words. That's not in my job description, but let's to the best of our ability, define the role, define the lane that it's going to evolve to a kind of an inch wide, mile deep, I guess, um, you know, stance within best we can. And let's also agree on an appropriate compensation package that matches the profile. Companies should align on who are their internal stakeholders who will be a part of the process and to keep that team consistent. How will they measure the talent that is evaluated through the selection process? I'm a fan of creating a feedback form so that everyone is consistent with what questions they have to answer about their interactions with the candidates and how we're ranking them. They should look at what the candidate experience is is going to be like based on the process that we can outline. In other words, let's deliver a great candidate experience by understanding that we want to have a tight buttoned up process. So defining that is important. And um, being careful about the selection of your recruitment partner. Of, you know, of course, I'm biased. I'm a fan of companies going outside for key hires. But you know, run a selection process for your recruiter. Don't just hire recruiter that someone says is good. And certainly don't hire based on just the economics. Uh, work with recruiter, have them deliver You know what their successes are, what their unique value proposition is, why work with them. You know, Get an understanding if you feel like you align with them culturally. And certainly, and I'll back up a lot now as a hiring company, feel like you can clearly define what your culture is and have your team of stakeholders aligned on what is the culture that we're presenting to the talent pool. Let's be aligned on it, but also truthful with it because that person hopefully is landing in your company and staying for a long time. So to be transparent with that is huge. And also to have someone internally going outside to a search firm is great. And if you don't have a VP of HR or a chief human capital officer, otherwise, I'd say even if you're a three to nine person company to the best you can hire an HR coordinator or someone in-house that is going to also own the fielding of those interactions, kind of liaise between uh, a search partner because, you know, when the CEO is running a search and doing his or her job and right, that's where, you know, sometimes the process gets sideways and we have to operate at the pace of business. But, you know, if we're going to partner up to win talent, let's set a process and adhere to it to the very best we can and, and extra help internally. In terms of the role playing, you know, the last uh, six months, 12 months, what are some of the areas that you see, you know, particularly kind of challenging or competitive, you know, that that is in kind of strong demand for companies now in the cannabis space? Any any levels, any kind of functional areas, anything that you've seen that has really gotten hot or or of uh, dramatic need over the last uh, six, 12 months? Yes. The, the biggest needs for, for our clients and other companies we know of at the director, vice president, officer level are in the fields of marketing yeah. and finance. Those are really every every role in this industry is 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 very challenging. But yeah, if you're a if you're a finance or marketing leader in this space, you really have to be on top of your game and I mean, we, we joke, you probably want someone with a JD in either of those roles on top of the MBA and all of the experience. So, so much of this is impacted by regulatory issues and legal issues, you know, making sure that you're staying compliant and, and you're not running amok from a, what you can and cannot do and what you can and cannot say <laughs> in different places and, you know, in, in, different, uh, in different media. Makes sense. It's a complete landmine and the location of those landmines are, are, are being moved around uh, daily. With geographies, 
you know, we're, we're in this funky situation where, you know, every state is, is kind of its own own market. You know, some states have been doing this for a while. Some states are just coming online. Some are, you know, embracing adult use. Some are just staying medical. What have you noticed in terms of, you know, which states are kind of heating up or, you know, the differences that you notice in the talent market from state to state? Any insights there? Well, with Colorado loosening up uh, the laws against companies, cannabis companies, that is, uh, the rules against going public and, and M&A activity in the industry, that loosening up in Colorado has shown us a very strong uptick in executive hiring outside of uh, the network. There's been um, a very nice, I guess, uh, increase in capital coming to those organizations, which is increasing the need for human capital at the executive level. The, uh, I mean, the needs up and down the California coast have been strong. They've softened up a bit, certainly compared to the East Coast. So we've seen a lot of activity from companies we know of in yeah. New York and Massachusetts. There's there's a lot of scaling going on there. And again, you know, with our focus on executive placement, you do have a lot of companies headquartered in those cities. So in or in those, in those geographies rather. So Massachusetts. New York, New Jersey, and uh, I think then second to that, coming up strong is, well, Illinois has been quite strong, but um, in the Midwest, we're seeing a lot coming out of Michigan right now. Anything on the international that you've noticed, either, uh, you know, sort of North America, you know, Canada, Mexico, or some of the other continents, things that, that you've seen, or at least has impacted, you know, finding talent, you know, where talent demands are. Uh, it's just the, the international side of this is so interesting. I'm curious if you've run into anything there. Yeah, well, you see a lot more uh, conferences sprouting up outside the U.S. There's loads of them in, in the EU, UK, and further off. The you know, for us, we've seen more more JVs, more partnerships being established right between North American cannabis companies and those outside the U.S. So uh, we've had an opportunity to help those companies uh, vet vet leadership. So you know, that's that's another service your recruiter should be able to provide if you're looking at a merger or acquisition or or just a partnership is to leverage their talent evaluation skills. And if you've partnered with them deeply and they understand your culture, to have them you know vet a team before that M&A or, or JV. So we've seen an increase in cross-continent partnerships, which we expect in 2020 will lead to a lot more hiring for us in the space outside of North America, which has been a little bit light for, for us, just speaking about our experience. Certainly Canada, as we enter, as we approach uh, Canada 2.0. Yeah, there's been an increase in executive hiring there. Everyone's ramping up, but you know we're also seeing um, a leveling where you know Hexo and some others and CanTrust in the news recently north of the border. They've they've had to had a little some setbacks as we say. Yeah, so there's there's a leveling, and then that and then you know and then again that just that that creates another challenge for your hiring team and and your uh, talent acquisition vendor to answer those questions to talent coming in because they're watching it, they're in investing in it and they're worried if, if you just if you reduce 25% of your headcount and then go out and say, well, come join the company in this growing industry, you know, there's increased hesitation. So we've been engaging in more of those conversations. Again, it's education about, well, this is sort of a leveling and, you know, some companies more runway uh, than others because of whether it be their approaches to compliance or corporate governance or, or just uh, taking a strategic long-term picture approach to... to this has been great. Um, Brian, 
people want to find out more about you, about Hunter and Esquire, what's the best way to get that information? Our website is www.hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, Esquire, E-S-Q-U-I-R-E dot com. We have a presence on LinkedIn, of course. They can reach out to me directly at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N at HunterEsquire.com, or we have a contact us link right there on the website, and we will get right back. Or in the show notes, so people can click through, get that information. Brian, this has been great. I I think this whole talent space, you know, talent issue in the cannabis space is a interesting one. I think it's just going to get more and more challenging as the industry grows, as we need more and more people, you know, and certainly as this whole industry matures, you know, finding people who can can really run these businesses in a strategic, you know, highly well run, well executed way is going to be key. I'm curious to see how this plays out. Really appreciate the time. I think it's been a good conversation. I think we had a lot of good good takeaways for folks here. So thank you for joining me. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, I wish everyone well, you especially, Bruce. Thanks again for having me. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.